morning, everybody. I'll be reading from the book of Psalms, chapter 23. I love this. I'm going to try not to cry. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All right, we are expecting church this morning. Reverend Colin, I would like to invite you to come up. <laughs> you didn't cry, and I'm not funny. <laughs> I just want you to cry. I can cry, and maybe I will. I don't know. That, that, that's a fantastic um, passage of scripture. I'm getting a lot of echo back here. Is that normal? Or... Anyway, so I, look at what Grant does here. He's such a good teacher, and I think, how can I add to your faith when you have so much good faith food here in this body of believers? So I, I thought what I'd like to do today is to encourage your faith in the light of him who we have faith in. Now the scriptures talk about in Romans that whoever comes to God must believe that he is, but that's not enough. You must know something about him. And that's where I feel a lot of people get the, what I call the faith wobbles. It's because they haven't known the person that they've put their trust in. So we've got to know that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Well, that, that's something about his attribute. We know that God is a rewarder through his word. And the Bible talks about faith a lot. And I'll just start um, in Ephesians 6 where it speaks about putting on the whole armour of God. But before we get started, thank you for the opportunity, Grant and Linda. It's beautiful to be here. It's lovely. It's beautiful. My wife wore her best top. <laughs> Isn't it beautiful? It's lovely. <laughs> and we're going to pray and just commit this time in the Word to the Lord. But that's the most colourful top here. <laughs> And shoes, and socks, and shoes. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you love us. Thank you, Lord, you have food for us today, whereby we may grow in knowledge and in trust and in relationship with you and with each other. We thank you for the wonderful gift of salvation. We thank you for the preaching and the ministry of your word so we can have faith and we can believe him in whom we have put our trust in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Bible talks about in uh, Ephesians chapter 6 about putting on the whole armour of God and having done all, stand, having done all. And so having done all means there's a to-do list, if I could say that. 
to, to be a person of faith, there is a to-do list, which is having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, I'll see that book there on righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, not war. <laughs> You know, the body of Christ is not at war with each other, although if you look on Facebook and YouTube, you would think otherwise. But don't get caught up in all that rubbish. Because we are to live in the gospel of peace. It talks about the helmet of salvation. And then it talks about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But I like this uh, in, in verse 6 where it talks about above all. Above all, put on the shield of faith. Faith is a big subject. It's a massive subject. And we can know all about faith and nothing about God. And it's hard to activate your faith in that environment. Because faith is a persuasion and a trust. And trust comes from knowing someone. It doesn't come from a commandment to be something, do something, believe something. It comes from knowing someone in whom you have decided to trust. Why do you trust them? Because you know something about them. Hey, you know right, right off the get-go here this morning that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And so we need to look at God when we look at faith. It's not just about these muscles here, which we'll call a faith muscle. It's not about how great your faith is if you have no love, because faith works by love. And God is love. So in Mark uh, 11.23, where it talks about we, Jesus, the first thing he says before he says we can move mountains or we can have what we pray for, he says, have faith in God. Some people turn it to say, have the faith of God. But really, this swings me into relationship. Have faith in God. Okay, and during our faith walk, it tells us we have need of endurance. Hebrews 10.36 says that you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. And then in Hebrews 12.1 and 2, it says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher, of our faith. Who do we look to? We look to Jesus. We don't look to our own mental ascent. We don't look to our own abilities and our own toughness because everybody, faith is for everyone. And whether you're a positive leaning person or a negative leaning person, I'll talk a bit about that in a, in a little while. We all have access to the promises of God and all the promises in him, in Christ Jesus, are yes and amen. So the journey of of faith is that we're putting our trust in someone who told us that his promises are yes, not if. Yeah. So all the promises are yes. So we have need of endurance, which suggests there's a time period. You don't have need of endurance to run from here to the bushes down there. <laughs> Any of us could do that. We just get up, run down there. But anyone who's ever done any endurance racing, there always comes a time in every race, if you're pushing, and if you're honestly racing, you just want to give up. 
You just want to step aside. It's too hard. Faith is an endurance race. And in this endurance race, sometimes it gets hard. Sometimes you feel like giving up. Sometimes you may even step out of the race. But we need to know something about God in those situations. We have need of endurance. Isaiah 40 talks about how those who wait on the Lord, they shall. There's that word, the word is shall. Those who wait on the Lord, that, that word wait means entwined. Those who are entwined with the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. And preceding that, talks about how the youngsters all cave in. The young lions, they cave in. But those who wait on the Lord, it's got nothing to do with age. It's young or old. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He restores my soul. He restores, that word restores means takes it back to the beginning. <laughs> he restores my soul. How good is that? Some of us, we need restoration. Why? Because we go through things. It's called life. And life tries to have a crack at all of us. And the enemy comes. You've got to know how to stand. You've got to know how to fight the good fight of faith. You've got to know how to lay hold of eternal life. I mean, when Paul wrote that, he wrote, he wrote it to the pastor. Preach the word. Study to show yourself approved. And, and it's just so good to look in there and just see all the study materials you have so that you can have a life of faith and a strong life of faith. Jude 1.20 talks about building ourselves up. Build yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to put too much emphasis on that. I'm talking about your faith can be built up. But the point I want to get to is keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, we've got to look at someone. You want to be a believer, you want to walk in faith, keep looking up. Keep looking at God. Keep yourself in the love, not just that he expects you to have towards others, but the very love that he has for you. Keep yourself there. God loves me. He's trustworthy. Of course I can believe. His promises are true. His promises are yes. I trust him because I know him. A lot of people want strong faith, but they, they don't want to know him. It doesn't work like that. Looking unto or looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And, and I'm I heard something the other day that really touched my heart and I, I wanted to sort of lay it out before you guys about the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. But before we go there, um, you, are you all aware of Hebrews chapter 11 where it talks about the faith chapter, how all these people by faith did things? It doesn't just say they did things, it says how they did them, they did them by faith. And we've got a list here by faith. 
by faith Abel. And I'm not going to lay out what they did, but you can read that in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith Enoch. By faith Noah. By faith Abraham. By faith Sarah. And by faith Isaac. By faith Jacob. By faith Joseph. By They did things by faith. By faith the harlot Rahab. And many others. And let me bring the list forward a little and include by faith Peter and Andrew and his brother immediately left their nets and followed, he said, follow me. They are on the job, they are mending nets, this guy walks past and, and we can talk about whether or not he was a complete stranger to them, which he, he wasn't, but that's another time. But when he said follow me, they just dropped everything. By faith, James and John left their boat, their father's business, and followed Jesus. They got up and left by faith. By faith, Matthew got up and left his tax office. He was in there working your taxes out. You're waiting. You know why you didn't get a return? Because he got up by faith and left. <laughs> and just followed Jesus. These guys are to be commended. Or are they? <laughs> By faith his disciples, his disciples left all that follow him. Great men of faith. But they were still men. And they were all flawed. And they all had problems. And they all had issues. But they had a God who they could depend upon. That's the thing about faith. It's not about us, it's about him and who our faith is immersed in. What about this for faith? Matthew 26, verse 56, talking about all the disciples. Then all the, all the disciples forsook him and fled. All of them. And that word fled means saved themselves by running. <laughs> and I'm going to suggest to you, <laughs> if you were there at that moment and you were one of those disciples, you would have saved yourself by running. I would have saved myself by running. Pastor Grant, you would have saved yourself by running. Abraham would have run. Noah would have run. Isaac would have run. Everybody would have run. Men of great faith, women of great faith, running for their lives. <laughs> you ever feel like running? Come on, you ever feel like running? What are you going to do? Oh, God, remind me about that. I, I remember preaching on the authority of the believer when we had a home group when Catherine and I first got married and there was a guy who was a carer for his wife. Lewis and his wife was in a wheelchair and she'd pop out the back every 10 minutes for a smoke and I was preaching on the authority of the believer and afterwards he said and what are you going to do when tests and trials come are you going to run <laughs> and the only way to answer that question is when tests and trials come because that's, that's, that's when you find out what you're made of. It's, 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 it's great here filling ourselves up with faith. But I used to say 
when I used to minister in the Bible college. You don't know what you're made of till you face, till you leave this place. And then your knowledge needs to be activated in life's experiences. So they all ran. Then in uh, John 21 verse 3, Simon Peter, this is after the resurrection, you know, these guys were going somewhere. They, they, were, they were like the envy of all the people in the faith chapter. Do you think Abraham wouldn't have wished that he was there following Jesus for those three years? Do you think those guys wouldn't have traded places just to walk with this guy Jesus and watch what he did and be a disciple and raise the dead and lay hands on the sick and the miraculous? And Oh my goodness, what an adventure. What an adventure. And then suddenly they've gone, they've bolted, it's all over. And, and they find themselves where Simon Peter says to them, I'm going fishing. And so he's back on the boat and there were seven of them. There were seven of the 12 disciples said, we're coming with you. <laughs> we're going back to fishing. Because imagine their state of mind. They let him down. And so they fished all night, and guess what they caught? Nada. Nothing. And Jesus turns up on the beach for some dead set payback. No, not at all. What are we looking unto? According to Jude, the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. The mercy. And in the morning, in verse 4 of John 21, Jesus stood on the shore. Children, he called out, do you have any food in flying fish? And they had a response, seven of them. No. <laughs> that, that reveals their state of mind right there. If, if Where I live on the Gold Coast, you can, you can go down to where the trawlers come in. And a lot of people from the general public, they meet the boats there. Have you got any fish? Yeah, we had a good night's fishing. Or no, it wasn't a great night. Things were, you know, we couldn't get a hold of the school. The fish were there, but we couldn't get to them. You know, there's more of a discussion. There's a bit of communication. No. <laughs> well, cast your net on the right side and you will find some. So they did. And they got 153 big fat fish. And on the beach, there is Jesus. And he's already at it. What's he doing? He's cooking them breakfast on the hot coals, the Bible says. And so we see during the process of time, as he talks to Peter, and I'm not going to lay all that out, but what I am going to lay out is he, read, he doesn't redirect them. He... He focuses them back on track. Yeah. Nothing's changed. It's not like, forget about it, guys, no hard feelings, and off he goes. No, these guys, you imagine their state of mind. They're not in the mind that they're going to now be his disciples because they failed him. But he didn't fail them. And he got them back online got them back. He didn't say, okay, now go this way. That's not what he's there for. 
when Jesus comes and cooks breakfast for us on the beach, which he does for us all, is to keep us going in the same direction. It's to keep us going for that which he apprehended us and the purpose of our lives. It's not to let us off the hook. Can I say that? He didn't let them off the hook. He straightened them out. We're still in the game. Your faith is not dead. Lift up. Build yourself up. Strengthen yourself. Here's the mercy of Jesus Christ. Build yourself up in that and, and move forward. And be a person of integrity. And if, you're, if it's just to be a mum, if it's just to be a husband, if it's just to, to turn up to work the next day, if it's just to believe God for your healing, keep going in the same direction. Don't swing off. Because we're not heading that way. We're heading where he's heading. And he's not heading back to fishing. He's still, there's still those words hanging over Peter. I will make you fishers of men. And on the day of Pentecost, that's exactly what Peter did. Threw that net out. He didn't catch 153 fish. He caught 5,000 fish. And I think that was just the men. <laughs> In Acts chapter 15, we're leaving fishing. Paul says to Barnabas, let's go back and visit our brethren in every city so they'd had their first missionary voyage and Paul said let's go back and see how everyone's doing to Barnabas let's go back and see how they're going where we, where we have preached the word and Barnabas was determined to take with them John Mark but Paul insisted and we're in Acts 15 in verse 38 Paul insisted that they should not take the one with them who had bailed on them. He bailed. In the first missionary voyage, John Mark left them and went back to Jerusalem. Now, Paul said basically, initially John Mark was their assistant. And Paul basically said, when Barnabas recommended they take John Mark, Paul said, he's off the team. No soup for you. You're out. Well, let me ask you a question. Is that looking under the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ as to what we just read before? No, it's not. And we see that John Mark left with Barnabas. So at the beginning of Paul's ministry, we're not taking him, he's useless. You see that? Paul wasn't Jesus. Paul's not God. He's a person just like you and me with a call on his life, heading in that direction, refusing to take the one who bailed on them. And it says that Barnabas took John Mark. And we come to the end of Paul's life. We never hear from them again. And I've heard that preach. You never hear from Barnabas again. And well, listen to this. We're coming to the end of Paul's life. In 2 Timothy 4 verse 6. Paul is talking to Timothy. And he says, The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. 
I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. I said, I'm done. Catch us later. And then he talks about, he also talks in 1 Timothy, how many had left him. And he says, get Mark. Bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. So Barnabas took Mark and carried on. Paul didn't want anything to do with him. And yet at the end of his journey, Mark was the guy that Paul could rely on. It's the same Mark. It's the same John Mark that wrote the Gospel of Mark. It's the same John Mark who wrote the words, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. Why is that? Because Barnabas took John Mark and cooked fish on the beach for him and showed the love of God and showed the mercy of God. When people fall down, this is our job. Not just to shipwreck their faith, but to lift them up and get them back in the game. Come on, get them back in the game. Back on track. Back in the house of faith. Back believing the word of God. Back speaking the word of God. Back full of hope. Because why? Because we're told looking unto Jesus, the author, he starts our faith, and the finisher of our faith, and looking unto the merciful way in which he treats us. Having failed him. <laughs> See, a lot of people think, what, what, what's this? It's knowing him who saved us. It's knowing him. And so we can have a new assurance and a new confidence. We're not just told to have faith in God. The people that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. The people that entwined with their God, they shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. It ain't over till it's over, my friends. The Lord is my shepherd. That's, that's what he said. The Lord is my shepherd. This is our shepherd, the merciful one, who qualifies us to... Uh, to the inheritance that we have through his birth, death and resurrection. He's qualified us. And when we're low and our eyes are downcast and we think we've blown it and we've so let him down, I'm telling you this, he's not let down. He still believes in you. He's still for you. He's still cooking breakfast on the beach. He's still saying, come on, let's keep going. Up we get. Wipe the tears. Dust off the dirt. Turn up for work tomorrow. Pay your bills. Come on, work towards it. Do it by faith. I'm with you. I'll help you. You know, there are, there are two types of people they say. The, heart, the glass is half empty and the glass is half full. And if I was to be honest with you, which I think I am, and my wife's here, 
So I ain't gonna lie. But I'm a half empty sort of guy. I'm the sort of guy that I, I've got to have fuel in the tank. Catherine's half full. If it's anywhere just under empty, that's that'll get me somewhere. <laughs> and and so we come together like this. And, and uh, it's neither neither in the kingdom of God. You know, positive people let God down. You have a look at the twelve, the ten tribe, the ten leaders, the twelve leaders they sent into the promised land. They were leaders. They were leaders. They were half full sort of guys. They weren't half empty guys. They wouldn't have ever got into leadership half empty. And they, they came back saying, we can't do it. They, they're going to get us. But then there were two other guys, Joshua and, Jake, uh, Joshua and Caleb. What were they? They are out of Psalm 23. My cup runs over. So it's neither half empty or half full. Our cup runneth over. <laughs> That's the way God wants us to think. We're going to make it easily. We don't just get into, the, into heaven by the skin of our teeth or skin of our neck or the skin of our hair. And then he goes on to say, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So there's a massive big sandwich between the Lord is my shepherd and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's this big Reuben sandwich in the middle of it. He leads me beside the still waters. He leads me in paths of righteousness. He restores, brings back to it the beginning, my soul. All of these reveal the character and the goodness of him who we serve. All of these are what gives us confidence that when we ask, in faith. He is faithful, not we is faithful to believe enough, but he is faithful to hear that prayer, to say the answer is yes. Now hang in there because it's coming. Have you got a scripture? Yes. You're not well? By his stripes you are healed. Can you hold that? Yes, I can. Why? Why can you hold that? Because I know something about him that he is merciful to me and he is faithful and I'm a wreck, but I'm hanging on to his goodness, not mine. And so here we all are. We're all different people from all over the place with all different attributes and all different personalities. And the greatest thing that you can possess is found at the end of Psalm 23rd. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What's that? That's an eternal assurance. If you've got that, you're the richest man on the planet. If you know when you draw your last breath, your next breath comes into the presence of God. You're rich. And, and I don't want to assume that everyone here is in that condition. So perhaps if we could just pray, close our eyes, and I want to give an invitation that if there is anyone here and the Lord is not your shepherd, perhaps we could all just close our eyes. The Lord is not your shepherd. 
but you want to open your life up to this one who loves you, who will never judge you. And when your days are finished, you'll just move in with him. If that's you today, I just if that's you today and you would like Jesus to be your shepherd, while all our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, you can just, just indicate, just raise your hand. Hallelujah. You can put those hands down. Let's just pray a prayer together and commit our lives to the Lord. Just repeat after me, and if you raise your hand, these are important words, and these will, these will set your future and satisfy your soul. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus, who accepted me the way I am, and now I accept him. And I ask him to come in and build my life and restore me. In Jesus' name, amen.